What is up, College of Charleston basketball fans? Welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Hope you all had a great weekend. Maybe you're off for President's Day today. Maybe you have an extra long weekend. Anybody see the NBA dunk contest on Saturday? Mac McClung stole the show, won the contest. Did you know he took an official visit to the College of Charleston in the fall of 2017? Almost came here and played for Earl Grant. It's true. He and his best friend, Zach Irvin, who plays at Elon, they were both offered scholarships here at the college. And how interesting would that have been? Pretty cool. Anyway, butterfly effect. But you know I always spot a connection back to the Cougs. We've got a great show for you today. Everett German is back on the pod. We talk a little bit about the Northeastern and Elon games, but mostly this episode was us trying to answer, is this a thing? Is this not a thing? We talk rest versus rust, bench versus starters, streaky shooting. This one goes in a lot of different directions, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. Everett always brings the insight and the enthusiasm. So let's not waste any more time. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Follow Holy City Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. Let's bring in Ev and get started. All right, Charleston basketball fans, the voice of the Cougs is joining us today, Mr. Everett German. Ev, the Cougs have a week off between games, and that means you have a week off broadcasting. What did you do with your your extra Saturday this week? You know, I kind of utilized that time to do a, a date night with the wifey. We went out and had dinner downtown, and then one of my good buddies, uh, Charlton Singleton, who's now a two-time Grammy Award winner, um, him and his crew uh, had a concert at the Charleston Music Hall, so we went and saw that as well. And then I just really had opportunity to just, you know, watch some college basketball and, you know, watch some of the Power Fives. I did have my eyes on some CAA games as well, but... Yeah, it was a little weird. You know, I wanted to get out to Patriots, but, you know, obviously with my daughter and her schedule as well, it didn't allow that. But uh, it was a much needed a much needed break. And so now, you know, getting ready for the stretch run. That's doing it right, though, man. All, all the young kids listening, take a page from Everett German's book. If you find yourself with some open time, put it toward the wife and family, because then yeah. that will just make your life so much easier. Well, you think about it. I mean, we're pretty much nonstop from November until now, we did have that uh, somewhat of a break during the, the holiday season there uh, around Christmas time. But yeah, just about every Saturday, you know, we're either at TD Arena or, you know, in somebody's gym. So uh, it, it definitely definitely was odd not having to do something on a Saturday in terms of uh, Cougar basketball related. Well, you brought this up to Coach Kelsey in the Elon post game. I think you asked him, what are the guys going to do with the extra time? And he was pretty obvious. He was like, the opposite of what we did last time. Because the last time the Cougars took a week off, they came back and they lost back-to-back games to Hofstra and Drexel. So if you're PK and the staff, how are you treating this week? Well, I know Coach Kelsey, he was out at Patriots Point. I saw him kind of warming up in the outfield (laughs) with some of the baseball players. As you know, uh, Coach Kelsey, a huge baseball fan. Um, so, you know, he got an opportunity to go out and a uh, good win for Coach Holbrook and the, the boys on Friday night. Not so on Saturday, but I definitely think uh, it's going to be a good baseball season over at Patriots Point. But basketball-wise, I mean, you think about it, we, are, we played Towson back on New Year's Eve. So you've already seen them one time. And then, you know, Stony Brook, this will be our only opportunity to play them. But, you know, for me, it would seem like, you know, if I had that option, just really get a rest 
uh, you know, we're a jump shooting team. Obviously, we love uh, the three ball. The legs sometimes have a tendency to be the first thing to go when you have fatigue. So, yeah, and just a bunch of mental reps, you know, a lot of walkthroughs, just reminders against uh, Towson, as you both know, you and I both know, Tommy, they're a very physical team. They've been scoring the ball, you know, uh, well as of late. So, yeah, I, for me, it wouldn't be too much of uh, physical stuff. It would just be, you know, getting shots up, kind of getting that familiarity and just, uh, you know, being able to watch a lot of film and, and have those mental reps as you get ready for uh, Towson and Stony Brook. Yeah, I mean, last time the Cougars had a break, they had, you know, the 20-game win streak. Uh, so you don't want to lose what you have going. And it seems like the Cougars have something clicking right now because since that Drexel loss, five wins in a row by an average of 24 points per game. Is this what peaking at the right time looks like in your eyes? I think so. And, you know, in addition to those 20-point wins, you know, Charleston's averaging 89 points during that stretch, Tommy. But what also has been very impressive is the Cougars have only been giving up 65 uh, points a game. So not only are they getting it done offensively, but they definitely have picked it up, you know, on the defensive end. We already know about how uh, of a solid one of the top teams in the country rebounding. So, yeah, I mean, it just seems like everything's clicking in. You know, that that second half, Tommy, the start of the second half against Elon, it was just something different. Um, you know, I think we, it was either Larson, or it might have been Rain, you know, diving on the on the floor for a loose ball right near the, the timeline. Then you had to steal. And, you know, we all know when Charleston can get out and transition, that's when they're at their uh, best. And it's no coincidence that when we're getting stops on the defensive end, that leads to, you know, offense. And they say your best offense is your defense. So we can get rebounds. And what I love, and I mentioned it a couple of times on the broadcast, Tommy, is we, we, we're we a 10-man rotation. Nine out of the 10 guys have that ability to get a rebound and start the fast break themselves. Yeah. You know, yes, we can advance the ball secondary fast break with, you know, with the pass up the floor. But whether it's Ante or Baba or Raekwon or obviously Van Burnham or any of the starters, really everybody except Chuck has yep. that comfort level. Um, and that just says a lot about, you know, our team and and just things just seem to be popping at the right time against that zone against Elon, which kind of slowed us down that first time at TD Arena. No at this time. All. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the ball movement, sharing the ball. You know, they always say that the defense can't move as fast as the, as the basketball, and that was on display with everybody touching the ball and our guys giving up a good shot for a better shot. Loved the ball movement versus the zone in that Elon game. Loved the relentless effort on defense. It seems like Charleston has been getting like twice as many steals on defense lately as, as they had been pre-losing streak. Yeah, Ryan Larson comes out at a halftime. He had zero points in the first half. He has eight points in the first like four minutes. So really encouraging. Eight, 18 threes as a team, which is a season high. And Elon, to that point, had won five out of six. Like, they were no, you know, slouch coming yeah. in. They, they they had looked good. That's funny that you mentioned that, Tommy, because I spoke with Taylor Durham, who's the play-by-play guy for Elon before the game, and without saying it, but kind of alluding to it, he's like, yeah, you know, we got everybody's back now. Like, we're healthy. Like, we're feeling really good. And, like, almost like they, they kind of had a swag. Like, they really thought that they could compete with Charleston and – you know, early on, it was back and forth, back and forth. And then Charleston just, you know, pulled away. And, you know, 
I just mentioned it, Tommy. It's it's like it just comes in waves. Like you feel like you're doing good. You know, you're in the game with Charleston. And yeah, you know, we can win this game. And then you look up and bam, just like that, you're down by 10 because of just the the flurry that our guys come with. And, you know, the, the ability for a coach and the coaching staff to just substitute and keep guys fresh and know that, you know, you best – uh, you know, you best play your best because you're in there for three or four minutes, then you're out, and then you're right back in. So, and, and just the pressure, Tommy, on um, getting the ball out the net, you know, it's just so impressive. You know, you and I, we obviously watch a ton of basketball, and you, you always heard about North Carolina and their secondary fast break. You know, get the ball out the net, inbound it to the free throw line, pitch it ahead, and shoot a layup. Charleston has that ability, but also to see the mayor just in motion, and how hard he pushes the ball up the floor. You know, you got guys kind of trotting back, and all of a sudden you see Ryan Larson like a blur going right by you, you know, pitching yeah. it ahead to, you know, Dalton Bowen for a three or, you know, Pat Robinson the third attacking the rim. So it's just a fun team to watch. The team is playing well, and hopefully we can look back uh, on it, Tommy, at one point and say – Probably the best thing that happened to this Charleston team was losing those two games, losing to Hofstra and losing to Drexel, because ever since then, they have been lights out. Hope so. Hope's that the case. Yeah, at some point we need to do like a power rankings of the most, like the biggest dagger shots that this Charleston offense can give, because I think the kick ahead Dalton Bullen three-pointer is always a dagger when he hits that. Yes. But also we saw this a couple times in the Northeastern game, the offensive rebound kick out for a three where, you know, the opponent just hangs their head on that because those hurt so much. We saw that a couple times against the Huskies. Um, speaking of which, you and Danny brought this up after the Northeastern game as well. I wonder what's going on up in Boston with, with the Huskies because you know as well as I did, especially during the Earl Grant era, Bill Cohen versus Earl Grant was always this chess match of like X's and O's and always, you know, like one possession type games. PK has had no such issue with Bill Cohen's teams. I think he's 4-0. I think he's won by an average of 22 points per game. I know Bill Cohen doesn't have the the pieces he normally did, but have you seen anything with this Northeastern team that seems off? Because it's it just, they were never like this. Yeah, and I agree, Tommy. It really, and I never really thought, of, thought about it. Um, all of a sudden, I know we've kind of had our way with them, like you just mentioned, as of late. But, you know, Doherty, he's a solid post player. Uh, you know, they, they got pieces now granted they don't have a, a Pusita, they don't have a um uh, the kid that's Tyson, at Tyson Walker yeah, is at, up at Michigan, at Michigan State, State killing it yeah, exactly so you don't have those types of players but they still have decent guys but yeah I just think it's more of a testament to maybe Charleston has taken that to the next level with our type of players where before, you know, we always had really athletic, solid guys that could get to it. Our guys, while still somewhat athletic, but they just – we just shoot the ball so well. And even, you know, Coach Grant's teams, we may have had one or two, but this team, I mean, everybody can flat out shoot the basketball and, you know, we get out and run, we push it where, you know, you think about it, Earl probably preferred to kind of slow it down some and get into a half-court game which may have played into their hands where now, yeah. you know, Charleston's just trying to get it out the net and get it up the floor in, you know, four seconds or less. So it it has really been just odd and that, you know, I looked over to the Northeastern bench a couple of times during the last game at TD Arena. And yeah, Bill Cohen, he literally was just sitting there 
kind of watching the game just looked very defeated because he just knew that in the end, Charleston was just a far superior team uh, to Northeastern. Yeah, this was the game where Charleston shot like 70% in the first half. They were 12 for 24 from three for the game. Just like an absolute, they scored 99 points. An absolute onslaught of offense. And we saw Ante Berzovic cutting them up. We saw Pat Robinson coming off a player of the week, you know, really turn it on and score double figures. Benny, who scored who has now scored 13 or more, I think, in five or six straight games. Uh, six, six double-digit scoring streak uh, for Benny yeah. Buckets. And limited minutes. This is a question that's <laughs> this is a question that's been posed around CFC basketball Twitter and Discord is has the bench been better than the starters since the losing streak? Because there's some games where Jalen Scott kind of takes a back seat, and maybe if Ante doesn't have it going or Rain doesn't have it going, the starters can be a little can fall into a low, but it seems like Ray, Benny, PR3, and even like Baba in, in certain games recently have really brought the energy and have like kicked the team into gear when it needs it. It may be, but also then you think our bench is so elite to anybody else's bench in terms of the conference play that yeah, they're gonna if their bench guys are playing against our bench guys, like they have no chance. I mean, our our second five. You know, I look around the, the conference. Our second five, I mean, Van Burnham definitely would start on probably just about every other team uh, in the conference. Yeah. Uh, same for, you know, for PR3. Ray, just because of his athleticism and his ability to guard. Uh, Baba is another athletic one that just, you know, you don't really need much from Baba because you have so much around him. And then, of course, Charles. I mean, we were talking earlier about the tap outs. Like, Chuck is like the the king of tap of uh, uh, tap outs, you know, and he always seems to tap it out to a player. That's the one thing he he doesn't like aimlessly tap it out. He taps it out to a Rain Smith or a Ryan Larson, you know, for a three. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if you wanted to have those two go against each other and and practice, but then again, come on, Cycle D would not let the starters. <laughs> we all know Cycle D is not going to let the starters lose. Uh, Ryan Larson is not going to let them lose. Uh, yeah, no, Ante would, Ante, yeah, no, they're playing well, but we're going to still go with the starting five. We we mentioned Ray Horton briefly. Good to see Horton come off that game where he didn't, he doesn't make the trip uh, with the team, comes back. I thought he played pretty well within himself, like made some threes. He's still, I think he still gets a little emotional and is guilty of a frustration foul here and there. But seems like, you know, he got the message from a couple games ago and, and is back to playing the way we expect him to play. You know, Coach Grant always used to say, play with emotion, don't play emotion, no. Yeah. So that's the next step for, you know, for Raekwon. And that's what I love about, you know, Coach Kelsey and this staff. I mean, it's basically, it's bigger than basketball. You know, and I heard, I'm sure you've heard the story as well, where, uh, you know, rest in peace to John Thompson, Big John at, at Georgetown that apparently he had a basketball in his office that he took all the air out of it. And basically it was a flat basketball. And so when kids would come into his office or recruits or whatever, he would toss it to them and say, when every basketball in the world looks like this, what are you going to do? You can't bounce it. You can't shoot it. You can't pass it. You know, anything of that nature, trying to get across the point that you have to, you have to be prepared for life. And so again, we all know Raekwon, Great kid, huge part of this basketball team. 
but you have to take care of, you know, all of it, not just the basketball side, but the academics and, and off the uh, court and everything else as well. So doesn't surprise me that, you know, Coach Kelsey, because I, I mean, come on, we've been around coach. You know, yes, I could see that conversation. Like Ray comes in, he's like, dude, what are, what, what are you doing? Like, you're not you're not going to class or you're not, you know, participating, whatever it was. Um, you're, you're not going to Hampton. Like, just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> and say, hey, we need you. We want you to be a part of this team. But it ain't happening this weekend. And then that be it. And Raekwon is such a good kid. And sometimes you just need that wake-up call. And as you mentioned, I think uh, Raekwon received the wake-up call. He didn't pout. He probably knowing Raekwon say, yep, coach, you know what? You're right. I didn't do what I needed to do. And now he's come back with the vengeance. Um, and we definitely think about it last year down the stretch. Arguably, Raekwon's our best player, yep. you know, down in the tournament and everything else. So we're going to need Raekwon, um, you know, if Charleston wants to um, win the CAA. So, yeah, it was good to see him back and now starting to hit shots. And so if he could do that along with, you know, obviously doing what he does on a defensive end, um, yeah, we're we're going to be in for a treat uh, with Ray Kwan. Yeah, seems seems just uh, a little, maybe a little bit more under control. And obviously, it's a small sample size, but he went through a stretch where he was just like putting his head down, straight line driving, and would get himself into trouble with a turnover, with an offensive foul. We're seeing more of like the side to side, stop and go, you know, like that package from Ray a little bit more. Which yeah, and you don't always have to get to the rim. I mean, sometimes yeah. it's just not there. There's nothing wrong with getting as deep as you can and pivot out or dribble it out, get the ball to, you know, whether it be Jalen or Ryan or Dalton or whoever the guard is and, you know, get the offense. Because knowing Raekwon and his athleticism, the ball will come back to him, you know. And so for that standpoint, yeah, he he's just still continuing to, to grow and learn. And I just love what his future uh, has for him. I thought you were going to go the jump stop floater. Uh, route on on what you just said because I know you're a big fan of that shot. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. <laughs> it's your favorite. And I say it all because we see it, and our guys do such a great job of getting paint points. And we're like fellas, like just talk. We just had Andrew Godlock here in the gym last. <laughs> we need month. we needed him to do a clinic the with the guys. Just... Does, like it alleviates you obviously committing offensive fouls when you play off of you know two feet. It's a high percentage shot. You know, you're just right there. You just almost, you you push it in. Um, it's hard to block because, again, you're you're floating it up there. So, yeah, you know, we, but we've been getting better. We have been getting better. But, yeah, if I had my way um, and warm-ups, we all would do the, the floater drill just so we can kind of get in the habit of, uh, you know, being able to shoot the floater. Yeah, well, it's it's good to hear how happy it makes you and Danny when somebody actually does that shot. And it's so it rare. It's, it's yeah. so rare that we see so, it. Once so. every couple games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's get to some some fun topics here. Uh, we're not quite at the end of the season yet, but all CAA teams are going to be coming out soon. I said this a few podcasts ago. I wouldn't be surprised if no players from Charleston got on the first team all CAA just because of the nature of how they play. Nobody's going to have stats that jump off the page. But if you were going to select one Charleston player, just to be like, hey, you know, the team that was ranked in the top 25, they need some representation on first team. Who are you picking? Honestly, I'd probably go Ante. Um, you know, Ante just seems to inside, outside. He's one of the best, you know, bigs in the conference. He can also pass. 
you know, out of the double team, which I'm sure as teams come around to play Charleston for the second or third time, um, they're going to try and make some adjustments. And, I mean, he just does such a good job. And, again, no slight to Dalton or, or Ryan or, or Rain, but uh, Ante has definitely, I would say, uh, you know, if we had to have one, I would say the percentages would be the highest with, you know, Berzovich making the team. That is my selection as well. Although I could see, you know, maybe a Dalton Bolin because he's such a, like the heart of the team. Uh, I think he's still maybe the leading scorer on the squad. It fluctuates so much, but like, I think I could see, you know, for like a off the stat sheet reasons, Dalton Bolin maybe being a pick there. Yeah, that would probably, because yeah, you're, you're right. He is, but uh yeah, it would be actually my, my second choice probably would be, you know, um, Ryan Larson, just because what a difference, you know, he has, has sure. made to this team. I mean, you know, we knew last year that the one weakness, the one area that we definitely needed was a point guard and just yep. having him and his leadership and, you know, his ability to really just run the team, um, being that coach extension on the floor. It's just done wonders. Um, I've told several people this year, there's no doubt in my mind, if Ryan Larson was at Charleston last year instead of at Walford, we win the CAA. I mean, you think about all those one-point, one-possession losses where either we didn't get a shot off or, you know, just you needed that one guy to hold the basketball, let everybody get into place, you know, and then go. He's, he's made that big of a, you know, of a difference. And he's been able to control games without scoring. I mean, there's been several games where he's been less than, you know, eight points. Yeah. But he'll have five or six rebounds and five or six assists. And, of course, you know, he takes a charge of two, uh, seems like, every game. So it's just sometimes those, you know, those little things, along with Jalen Scott as well, who, you know, I keep saying, Tommy, if we could ever get Jalen Scott, like, scoring eight or ten points a game as well, lights out. Because now you really have a whole, whole different dynamic um, mm -hmm. because of, of Scott and, you know, I've always kind of talked with Danny off the air because of his size, he's such a matchup nightmare. You can't put a big on him because he'll go around. Can't put a small guy because he could shoot over. If you know how we, sometimes we pulse up, you know, Ben Burnham or, or Dalton Bowling, man, if we ever start pulsing up <laughs> Jalen Scott, especially when he has, you know, I think about Hoster. There was several yeah. times where they had Carlos, you know, guarding him, whatever play we're running, just everybody go on the other side. We're just going to dump it down to Jay Scott and make him go one-on-one. -on -one. And if they double team, then you kick it out. You know, you got shooters spotting all over the place. So, but uh, just the dynamic of this team, it's just crazy. But yeah, you, get, you can't go wrong with anybody with Charleston because we are such yeah. a balanced team. It wouldn't surprise me if anybody, you know, made that first team uh, for the conference. Yeah, and I was thinking a little bit about other awards. I don't know if the six man award is an official thing, but obviously Charleston would have a lot of uh, a lot of candidates for that. Uh, I think the only award we might get shut out of Rookie of the Year. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Evan Kilminster not making a great case uh, for for that accolade. Yeah, uh, just not our not our year for, for no, not even Jordan Crawford. He really hadn't brought much to the table. No. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we have a running, um, you know, for, for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Jay Scott, though, very convincing case for Defensive Player of the Year, I think. You know, yeah, because in terms of rebounding, he always draws the, the toughest assignment 
you know, defensively. Um, Amari Amari Williams from Drexel is is might go back to back with that award. Yeah, because of the block shots. So, but but Jay Scott on the Jay Scott's got the Cam Johnson type game that gets you multiple all all defensive teams. Exactly, but I agree with stuff. you because of block shots, uh, rebounding. Why you know uh, a Williams are obviously we'll see a potential candidate coming to town on Thursday. Uh, in terms of Charles Thompson, he's another one yep. from uh, you know from Towson. So it'll be interesting to see because this year more than ever, I mean the league is just so you know so balanced, and really the only award that there really is no you know question would be obviously the Player of the Year, and you know that being Aaron Estrada. But everything else is up you know up in the air for <laughs> who's going to win the award. So. It'll yeah. be interesting to see, Tommy, how uh, who wins what this year in terms of those superlatives. Yep, yep. Uh, I want to ask you something, or maybe not even a question, but something I wanted to address. Rain Smith gets a little bit of flack here and there when he has games where he's not hitting threes because people are like, hey, this is what you're here for. This is the 90% of the shots you take. Um, and I saw some chatter about in the three games Charleston has lost, Rain went two for 16 from three total. Like he didn't have a great game against UNC, didn't have a great game against Hofstra or Drexel. I don't know if I'm, I'm not there yet saying that like as Rain goes, the team goes because Rain has also had bad games that Charleston's won, like because other guys step up. Right. But maybe there is some like correlation to like, the team needs rain to play well to reach their max ceiling. I think that's maybe fair. Do you have a have a take on like the team going as rain goes? No, the team goes as shots are falling. I mean, that's just yeah. the bottom line. When you know when Charleston's hitting shots. Now, of course, the one exception would be, well, really two exceptions. They they shot it well for the most part against North Carolina. Um, they shot it well. I mean, we scored eighty one points in the loss to Hofstra, and then you know was sixty nine or seventy whatever you know, to, to Drexel. Yep. But when Charleston's hitting shots, we, as we've seen over these last, you know, five games, it it, it doesn't matter because you're getting points from, from various places and rain draws so much attention that it opens up everything for everybody else. So even if he is a decoy, kind of similar, and you'll remember this, Tommy, back to the Steph Curry days, um, when he was at Davidson, they remember they had that one game where they literally Steph just literally yeah. just stood in the corner the entire game. Uh, there was with, the the famous game, I think, who was it like Georgia Southern or someone like double teamed him the entire game and he ended with like 15 assists and exactly won comfortably. Rain <laughs> is such a smart basketball player that he can command that attention. Well, then that should open up everything for everybody else. Yes, it definitely helps when Rain is hitting shots. But then again, you think about it, lately he's been getting a lot of shots off of, of tap outs. You know, balls just being tapped out. Well, there's no defense for that. You know, you just can't stand and hug the guy the entire time. So he definitely helps. Yes, it's unfortunate that in those three games that Rain didn't necessarily, you know, shoot it well. But in all those games, Charleston still had a chance to win. It's not like we were blown out. North Carolina yeah. game kind of got ugly there at the end. But all the others, they still had uh, still had a chance. So, yeah, sometimes rain is just not on. I mean, the best of the best, Steph Curry will have that night where he goes, you know, two for 13 from three. But the next night he'll come out and, you know, he'll shoot it well. 
Same for Rain Smith. You know, Rain's not out there intentionally trying to miss. Sometimes the shots just don't fall. But Rain is a shooter, and shooters shoot. And when he sees, for me, it seems like if he can see one of the first, you know, first two, three, mm-hmm. get it to go, then you kind of know he's in yep. line for a good night. But if he starts off missing two or three, then that's when you kind of get a little wary. But again, when you're ten deep. That just means someone else has to step up. Just like if someone were to get injured, someone were to miss a game for you know, disciplinary reasons or someone's having an odd game, that just means next man up, somebody needs to step up uh, and make shots. Rain, I should say, 15 for 37 from deep since that, that last loss. So he's his percentage is looking pretty tidy right now. And hope, hopefully it stays that way through March. Quick look at the CAA standings. I know you and I were scoreboard watching last night, and our the Stony Brook Sea Wolves kind of choked down the stretch. And wow, I was out on a dinner date, by the way. Tom. Man, <laughs> I checked in when they were up one with four minutes to go, and I think they had four turnovers and no made field goals from and that stretch. Free throws, uh, and missed free throws as well, so they had a chance, but they let them off the hook. Didn't didn't get the uh, yeah Charleston. Still is not in full control of their destiny. All hope is now on Bill Cohen to to beat Hofstra at Hofstra on their senior day, which I don't think is going to happen. But the Charleston and Hofstra are locked into the top two seeds, which is great. Um, Charleston can't fall below two, but who they play is very much up in the air. So UNCW is currently in third, Towson in fourth, both at 11 and five. UNCW hosts both Stony Brook and Towson to end the season. Towson's got to make that always tough Charleston UNCW road trip to finish the season. So Charleston could play either of those teams in a two, three matchup or Charleston could even get the one seed and get the other team in a, in a one, four matchup in the semifinals. So all that to say, we don't know much about what Charleston's path to a potential CA tournament championship is going to look like, but that's kind of just the nature of the CAA. It's always, always up into up in the air until the, the very last minute. Well, that opening game for us on Sunday, which would be the either one eight or two seven. And I mean, as much as we want to say, Tommy, I mean, this is not the Russians against the United States and and hockey. Um, I just don't see Northeastern going to Hofstra uh and winning. So that means yeah. that Charleston's gonna, gonna, gonna have to the, win the, as a two. two seed. So you kind of look at that, you know, seven, eight, and that there's like just a log jam down there, you know, at yep. the bottom. Um, I think as of today, it would be Delaware would be in that seven spot, but it could be Elon. It could be Delaware. Uh, it could be, I think, North Carolina. Eight. There's just so many options. And then if Charleston were to, you know, be fortunate enough to get past that Sunday, I mean, honestly, you know, Tommy, the the top four, those are four, you know, good basketball teams. We, uh, we've already beaten, you know, uh, Towson once. We swept UNCW. To me, I feel like we probably match up, you know, well, we match up with everybody, but UNCW just doesn't seem to be as physical as I think that's who you want to get. Yeah, Yeah. and when you look at just the way, especially playing three consecutive days, you know, again, we'll see Towson on on Thursday. They're they're just, they lean on you. You know, they're rough, they're, they're physical, they're tough. Our guys are rough, you know, physical and tough. But we also think about it, you know, the way the brackets fall, if you're that one seed, you play that first game at six o'clock, 
If you're the two seed, you be you would be playing the eight thirty semifinal game. So just in terms of rest as well. You know, it's just it's because that championship game would be that next night, I believe, at you know at seven o'clock. So, yeah. So I mean, if it is how I think it would be, you know, it'll probably be Hofstra, us, UNCW, and Towson. And again, it could come down to that final Saturday up there at UNCW at Trask Coliseum, and the winner of that game gets to be the three, and the you know, loser gets to be four. So. It'll be interesting to see, but it's just going to be a exciting times there in D.C. And hopefully a lot of, you know, Charleston fans will, you know, make that trip because that's one thing. Charleston, uh, you know, the fans have been outstanding uh, this year at TD Arena and even on the road. I mean, I can think of there's not been one road game that I have not seen at least 75 to 100. That's awesome. CSC fans, you know, in attendance, um, yeah. you know, supporting the Cougars. So. But, you know, obviously this week you get the blackout game on Thursday um, against, you know, Towson. And then you also finish up with Stony Brook on our senior day, which should be a special time as uh, all of our you know grad transfers that have come in and just played a huge role with the success of this team, you know, winning 26, game, 26 games thus far. It'll be good to recognize those guys, you know, on their final day at the six. Yeah. And. PK in his post game with you after the Elon game, he didn't say this explicitly, but I could read the undertones. He wants to see a, a rockin' student section. Cause I think that that last game, like the day after the yeah. Super Bowl, is a little lacking, and he's not gonna turn on the students. And the Charleston turnout is great at every game. But I heard a little bit of something in his voice that he's like, let's let's finish on a strong note with uh with this blackout game and then this senior night, both on CBS Sports Network. Should be uh, both sellouts, obviously, but I would really like to see the students bring it for these last two. I would two say games. for sure, I I would be shocked if they didn't come out for Thursday's game, Thursday night, seven o'clock. But honestly, Thomas, Saturday at twelve, that that's going to be tough, you know, for college kids. Yeah, time or, change, right? To, yeah, uh, twelve p.m. start. So I do know at one point they had released some additional tickets and when you look at those tickets they seem to be yep. on that end where you know students would be and in the upper deck as well but i think the most important thing is you know being able to come out support these kids um the team they all talk about just the the how appreciative they are of running out of that tunnel or right before tip off and seeing the place you know packed and making noise and being that six man that these kids just love because and now I think they don't take it for granted because they go to atmospheres like Elon or, you know, Hampton or wherever it may be. And, and they see Northeastern and they see 1,500 people, you yeah. know, in the stands. It just It's just not the same. And what we have this year at TD Arena um, at the six, it's very special. And this is a great uh, one of those special seasons that don't come along, you know, very often. Hopefully they will become more regular. But it just seems like everything has fallen into place for Charleston to win these next two games, go to D.C., win three games there, and then, of course, go to the NCAA tournament. And not only make the tournament, but based on the matchup, Tommy, get a win. Um, yep. You see all the parity in you know, college basketball and with the, the transfer portals and NIL deals and – you know, this and that. I mean, a team like Charleston, absolutely, because of how close-knit and just together and how they play for each other, uh, could absolutely make some noise, you know, in the tournament 
if you get the right seed. And I would have to think, Charleston makes a tournament, Tommy. So I was going to ask you this. I'm thinking anywhere between as high as maybe an 11 and definitely no lower than I would say a 13, 14. Yeah. Which is you? weird because yeah. the 2018 team with the big three of Riller, Chile, and Brantley, they were a 12. And this team seems right there with that team, if not maybe a little bit better based on pedigree and resume, which seems weird that they would still be a 12. I think Charleston got lucky in 18 with kind of like how things shook out. They, you know, some bad teams got in winning their tournament. Um, but yeah, I, I expect, yeah, like a 12 and those five, 12 matchups, there's upsets all the time. And I think you could definitely get a shaky P five team, like a Tennessee or a Yukon that would struggle with, with a team like Charleston or even Hofstra, but hopefully Charleston. Well, at the end of the day, you just want, um, if we're, if we're hitting shots, we always will have a chance. Yeah. And we you know we're going to play hard. You know we're going to play together. You know we're going to put pressure. And more importantly, we have experience, and we have guys that aren't afraid of the big moments. You know, you often hear, uh, you know, Coach Kelsey say, you know, don't let the moment get so big that you, you know, tinkle down your leg. Our guys, they played at the Dean Dome. You know, they they played at, you know, Towson and Hostile. They played, obviously, at, at the 6th in front of some sold out crowds. And at the end of the day, noise is noise and fans are fans and they're, they're not going to back down. I think also to that UNCW uh, atmosphere there, that was about as big of a big time atmosphere as it yeah. can be in a 5,500, you know, seat uh, arena. So our guys have been there. They've done that. They're older. You know, these guys have a ton of game experience, even our sophomores. I mean, all those guys started for the majority of last year. So, And they all played the CAA tournament last year, which I really exactly. like. So they've already played in, you know, 60-plus games. So really no inexperience, you know. And they take a kid like Pat Robinson III, who feels like he should have been there all along. So he's, you know, he's golden. You know, Ante Bercevich, well, all he did was drop 15 at the Dean Dome and just his second game, you know, as a Cougar, then you have, you know, baby Kawhi in terms of Jalen Scott, that's just going to, you know, rebound, going to defend. And he can surprise people because I'm sure the Scott report says layoff of Scott, yeah. you know, not a score, doesn't want to shoot yada, yada, yada. But when he gets in his mind that, you know what, today's today and he drops 10 or 12 because he's going to the, the rim effectively, then yeah, it's going to be a, a great day. Um, to be a Cougar and a tough day for whoever draws that matchup. Well, I think the the takeaways from this episode is we need Charleston to keep doing whatever they were doing despite the uh, bye week here late in the season. Hit the ground running versus Towson and Stony Brook. Don't scoreboard watch because you can only control what you can control and then bring that energy from the six into D.C. and let's make a run. So. And I, I expect it to be a good contingency of Cougar fans in D.C. I've talked to several people who are going to head up on yeah. Friday. Uh, you know, last year I brought my family and we did the whole White House and yep. Capitol building and, you know, sightseeing. So I've kind of checked that list off. I think the Wizards may have a game either on Friday or Saturday. So a lot of people are going to come up and, you know, spend the weekend. Charleston, for the most part, unless it's just our lucky year, Tommy. It's going to play at 6 p.m. on Sunday, so that's perfect. It's not the very last game like we had last yep. year when you know, it was like, like an 8.30 start. start so, yeah. yeah, and so it'll be – I think it'll be good. And um, it'll be interesting just to see 
the matchups. Of course, it starts on what Friday this year with one game, and then you got a couple of games on Saturday. So, um, looking forward to it. But more importantly, you know, the most important thing is got to take care of Towson on Thursday on the uh, yeah. on blackout night as our our old friend uh, Pat Scary brings the the Tigers to town to try and get a little revenge, and hopefully we can keep Timberlake out of our huddle this time. Man. I mean, he yeah. If he if he gets to the huddle, get ready to call that flop warning. Like I said, I was right there last time. I saw it all happen. Ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm sure Ante has not forgotten. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Dalton Bowen as well. So I I would expect it to be a little, you know, not dirty because of course we don't play dirty. They don't play dirty. But, but we know how Towson chippy. plays. We know right. their style. It's chippy. It's gonna yeah. be physical. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. Um, I don't think they sent Charleston any chocolates for Valentine's Day. I know we didn't send any to them. So it should be just a hard-nosed fought, you know, CA basketball game between two of the best teams in the conference on the national uh, stage, CBS Sports Network. And, uh, it, you know, it could be a preview of the CA championship game, yeah. you know, based on how things, you know, fall out there in the, uh, in the uh, quarters and semis. All right, Ev, appreciate you rolling through. I'll let you get back to your weekend, uh, but we'll just leave it with a, with a Go Cougs. Exciting times. Go Cougs, yeah. I'm going to go check these uh, Tar Heels out, one of the fortunate ones that were able to beat Charleston. So, and, and that's another thing real fast, Tommy. It's teams like that, like North Carolina's on the bubble. Clemson's on the bubble. Auburn no more. Just Cle- Clemson's off. I'm I'm calling Clemson is off. You cannot get in. <laughs> Louisville would finish ninth in the CAA. You cannot exactly. get out of here. You know, uh, Auburn just had a bad loss. I mean, they lost all these power five teams that have seven, eight, nine losses that, you know, are on the, on the bubble. Meanwhile, you know, you got Charleston and Hofstra, who could be probably any of those teams, you know, on any given day. And we're having to sweat it out to see which one of us uh, is going to make the tournament, but you know it is what it is. Uh, as as Pat games. Kelsey told Jeff Goodman, he said, you know, they were talking about the bubble conversation. He's like, you know, it would be great if we won the stinking tournament and didn't have to worry about it. And I think exactly. that should be the focus. And, and cut yeah. down the nets, and then let's make some of these power five teams nervous because yeah. no one wants to draw Charleston in that opening round. Yeah. Yep. All right, Ev. Appreciate it. All right, man. Tommy. Good talking to you, man. I guess I'll see you in two weeks in DC. I'll see you in DC. All right, man.